Good evening. You guys doing good? A little rain today, but how many of you guys barbecued yesterday? Come on. Good time. It's been, uh, it's been beautiful here lately, as Mike mentioned. Um, and it's exciting for me, and I don't just say this, it really is, to be with you tonight and to open the word and to let God use his revealed word to, to change us. How many of you guys are open to that tonight with me? Um, this is a challenging passage. It really is. Um, and as we continue our series on Colossians, I'm excited um, to talk about what Christ has done and who he's revealed himself to be in his word. Isn't that good news? Um, so let's do that together. I'm going to read the passage. It's in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. If you turn there with me. And I think it's important in the context of this passage to go back a little bit and read the passage that Paul effectively spoke about last week. So why don't we start at the beginning of chapter 3 and read that together. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things, I'm sorry, set your minds on things that are above on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We just sang about that. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. <clears throat> and here we are this week. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all. And in all. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you that we have an opportunity to look into it. We thank you that you reveal to us more about yourself through it. We ask that your spirit would convict, that it would change, that it would adjust. We open ourselves tonight to receive your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. So here we are. Christ is all. Isn't that a great way to end that passage? Christ is all and in all. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Here we are in Colossians. And as you saw from the passage last week, Paul's instructing people to set their minds on things that are above. And Paul talked about that. Paul talked about the fact that we've died in Christ and we're hidden in him and we'll be raised to life with him in glory in the passage before. And then look at this. 
First verse in today's passage, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, speaking of what was before, in, in context of what we just talked about, your life being hidden in Christ and raised in glory, therefore put to death what is earthly in you. And then the list, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, even the evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry, idolatry. There's an idea here that you are to put to death these things that Paul's talking about. And, and therefore, you're to put to death these things because of being dead in Christ. I, as I read this passage, I begin, to, I begin to see in my own life and in the life of the church as I look around a misunderstanding of true conversion. I see in my own life, and, and as we think upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, a, a watering down of, or a complacency, or an apathy as it pertains to what conversion really means. What does it mean to trust Jesus? And we say it all the time in our culture, make a decision for Jesus. You know, believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus. And, and sometimes we say these things and we communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in almost a very um, palatable and, and easy to swallow type way. And sometimes our words and our phrases and our, our ways of, of gospel presentation, of communicating what it really means to know Jesus Christ fall short, don't they? Sometimes our communication seems very um, apathetic or complacent or, or not enough as, as we try to express what it means to be truly converted and to truly uh, submit your life to Jesus. And I think Paul makes it very clear here as he's speaking to Colossae people. He makes it very clear as he's speaking to this church, and he makes it very clear to us. It means to die. It means to put to death. It means that we have died in Christ. These words put to death the superficial notion of conversion, don't they? They, they, they strike a death blow to the superficial ver, uh, uh, understanding of what it means to really follow Jesus. And sometimes in our superficial understanding of conversion, we still continue to struggle with things that we no longer have to struggle with in consideration of what real conversion in the gospel is talking about. Amen? So what is conversion? It's death. Look with me, if you've got your Bible, go to Romans 6, verses 1 through 3. Romans 6, 1 through 3. I'll give you a second. Did Germany win? I think they did. We'll get an update. It's not over yet? Okay. Pope Benedict versus Pope Francis. It's the World Cup Finals. Romans 6, verses 1 through 3. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And here's what happens in our complacency, and it's, it's the same thing Paul is addressing in Colossians as, as it pertains to conversion, is this, this apathetic, false notion that we can continue in sin so that grace may abound. And Paul says it in Romans almost sarcastically, of course not. 
Should we continue in our sinfulness so that grace may abound? Understanding God forgives us. God's grace is there. This idea, this, this apathetic notion of I've just, I've just received Christ. And Paul, Paul strikes a death blow to that idea by saying, of course not. How can you continue in sin if you have died with Christ? If you've died. If you're, as Colossians says in the previous passages, hidden with him and then raised later in his glory, you, you are active in his death and then in his resurrection. And so there is a deeper notion of what it means to be converted. There's a deeper notion of what it means to receive Jesus Christ and to accept the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's this, that in him you have died. You've died. You've died to your old desires. You've died to your old motivations. You've died to your old way of doing things. You've died to your old um, things that motivate you and cause you to go forward in life. Those things are, di- are dead. Your desires, your, your sin, all the things that have motivated you in the past, if you've died in Christ and been buried and hidden with him, those things in your life have died. You've died to sin. How could we continue in sin if we're dead? Amen? So that's what Paul's getting at here. And there's something active in verse 5 that I think we need to recognize. Not only have we died in Christ, not only positionally are we we active in his death and in his resurrection, but there's an idea that Paul's talked about last week of this active putting to death now in the midst of our sanctification. There is language here that is is active. There's language here that, that hastens some sort of response. There's language here that causes the believer to not just walk through life saying, woo, I know Jesus, I can kind of do what I want because his grace is there to forgive me. No, in the midst of grace and the understanding of what Jesus has done on the cross, there is a response that is required within us that that causes us to have an active putting to death of sin. This is the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if we're not on the surface superficial level just looking at this false notion of the gospel, but we're understanding what Paul's really saying, then we must move, we must act, we must continue to fight in doing what God has already secured and done for us. Amen? This made me think of World War II. My favorite political figure in that time was Winston Churchill. I love Winston Churchill quotes. He was so effective at communicating. My favorite quote from Winston Churchill, which is not applicable here at all, (laughs) is when a woman looked at him and said, Mr. Churchill, if you were my husband, I would poison your coffee. And Mr. Churchill looked back at her and said, Ma'am, if you were my wife, I would drink it. (laughs) He had a way with words. But he says here, when asked about his policy towards Hitler in Germany and in the midst of American complacency at the time, He responds with this, you ask, what is our policy? I will say, it is to wage war by sea, land, and air, with all our might and with all our strength that God can give us to wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalog of human crime. 
That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer with one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be, for without victory, there is no survival. He had within him, in the midst of tyranny, and in the midst of, of evil, in the midst of Hitler, uh, attempting to destroy Great Britain, a passion to wage war and to fight. And in the midst of our walk with Jesus, sometimes in the United States of America, circa 2014, there is a complacency and an apathy in regard to sin. And, and God, through his word, is saying to us, put it to death. Wage war. There is, a, there is a call on the believer who is positionally justified before Jesus and who has the strength of the Holy Spirit as they begin, as Philippians says, to walk out their, their faith in fear and in trembling. There's a call on the believer with a correct understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the death of sin to wage war on sin in your life, to put it to death, put it to death. Go after it. There is no room for complacency. There is no room for apathy. For if you have died in Christ, you're dead to your sin. And every single day, I need to actively wage war on it. I need to put it to death. I don't need to be polite with it. I don't need to be kind with it. I don't need to just let it sit alongside my faith as I walk my daily life. God has called me to actively put it to death, to stand up and put it to death, to fight and wage war. Amen? And that's what he's calling us to do, church. Renovation Church, God is calling us to take a look in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he has already positionally done for us, and to stand up and believe, as believers and live in it. To live in it, to take hold of that which has taken hold of you, to stand up and recognize the work of God that's already been accomplished on your behalf, and to begin to actively walk it out, and to put the old man to death, to put the sinfulness of your life to death. Why can you do that? How can you do that? How can I do it? We can do it because in Christ we've died. Because in Christ, those old desires, those old motivations, those old things that drove us to do our own thing have now died. And we need to actively continue to put them to death. Amen? There is a, a profound spiritual event at conversion where death occurs and it's not just superficial. Does everybody hear that? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are activated in his death and in his resurrection, there's a profound spiritual event that takes place. It's not just a superficial event. John Piper says it this way, conversion is death. This is one missing note in a lot of contemporary evangelism and church growth thinking. Conversion to Christ is death. How can we who died in sin still live in it? He goes on to say, if you don't die with Christ, you don't believe on Christ. That is the meaning of becoming a Christian. It is a profound spiritual event that involves death to sin. Short of that, we are playing religious games. That what it, that's what it means. To believe in Jesus is to die to yourself. 
So as you look at this list, as you look upon the sin, as I look upon the sin of my own life that I continue in, that I continue to struggle in, as you look at unforgiveness, you begin to see it through the prism prism of who Jesus is and what he's done and the fact that you've died in him. How can I continue to be personally offended at that person when I've personally died? How can I continue to live in unforgiveness towards that person when I've been personally forgiven and died? How can I continue to be motivated um, by, by a desire for people to like me and to get ahead and, and, and put other people down and be profane and slanderous towards others when I've personally died and my identity isn't in what other people say about me, but my identity is in who Jesus says I am because I've died with him and been raised with him because Christ is all and is in all. I no longer have to be motivated by my desire to get ahead, to slander people, to lie, to push people aside, to be covetous, to be slanderous, to be arrogant. Those things no longer should be a part of my motivations and desires because those things have died in Christ. Amen? Put it to death. We've got to put it to death. We've got to actively, together, put it to death. Look at Galatians 6.14. If you have your Bible, flip to it quick. If not, I'll read it for you anyway. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let me read that again. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Your affections and desires and motivations in the context of this are dealt a a death blow. And as the believer, as Paul said, we only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ because everything else in us has been crucified with Christ, is dead. So now, I don't boast in anything else but the cross. My motivations, my, my, my desires to be something or be somebody or have this particular identity, um, to, to gain identity from my work or gain identity from what others say or to gain identity from my marriage or to gain identity from my children, all of those things are put to death. I don't boast in that, but I boast alone in the cross of Jesus Christ. How many of us need to gain or to go to that depth of understanding as it pertains to the gospel in our own lives? How many believers today are living for their children, living for their spouse, living for their job, living for some sort of uh, motivation other than the glory and the cross of Jesus Christ? And those things are to die. We're to put them to death actively. It's freedom. Amen? This, This is a message of freedom that in Christ we've died. In Christ, the old man has been put away. We set it aside like a corpse, and we put on the new man. And who's, as we're going to see, who's creating this new man? The creator. Let's go look at verses 7 through 10. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. Amen? Take a look at this with me. What does this mean? You know, what offense? What drives anger or bitterness? Sorry, I'm ringing. You can turn me down. I don't need too much. Thanks. What offense? What drives anger or bitterness? Or the selfishness that seeks sexual immorality? Or the desire to slander another, to prop yourself up? The need to receive acceptance from others so bad that you lie or you deceive or you cheat or you put others down? What causes us to hate somebody that's different from ourselves? What causes racism? What causes these issues in our community and in our lives? This is the sin that because we've died in Christ, we can put to death in ourselves. Amen? We have the opportunity now, in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to put aside the old man, to put the de- to death the old desires, and to set it aside, and to put on the new man. And, and as we understand in the context of Scripture, God has accomplished this for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. But as we see in this passage in Colossians, he's asked, asked us to actively walk in that which he has already accomplished. There is something active that needs to happen tonight as we look at this passage. We need to be willing to actively put sin to death. We need to be willing to actively put the old man aside. We need to be be willing to put on the new man. Do you hear these phrases? Put it to death. Put it aside. Put it on. The passage is actively asking us to move and to walk out our salvation. Here tonight, I think we need to accept that challenge. We need to, as Renovation Church, not be willing to be superficial believers, to not superficially have an understanding of conversion, but we need to recognize that if we're in Christ, we've died in Christ. We need to recognize that if we've died in Christ, these things need to be put away. We have to put it away. Sexual immorality, put it away. You are dead to sexual immorality in your life. If you're struggling with these issues in your life, you need to... You need to Get on your knees and seek the Lord to put away that thing which is dead. If you're struggling with idolatry and you're struggling with lying and you're struggling with cheating at work, you need to put it away. You are dead to the old man if you're in Christ. That has died. And you need to actively put on the new man which is created by the creator. He's given you a new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to be an active participant in the killing of of the sin in our life. Paul's passionate about this. This is not a passive sort of thing. He's using language that is very active. The old man versus the new man. You see this comparison here in the passage, don't you? Here's the old man in the way that you used to live. Put it off. And now put on the new man in the image of the Creator. There's this comparison between the way you used to live and now the way God's called us to live in relationship to others and to our sin. So there's something in our lives that is to be happening when conversion takes place. 
There's something deep down rooted in our hearts that as the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit begins to take root in our lives because we've been converted, there is a death that occurs to sin and something behaviorally begins to change. Something that's already changed because of the cross of Jesus Christ now behaviorally begins to be walked out. Amen? Now this isn't behavior modification. This isn't the idea that we, we somehow in our own will are able to muster up the ability to change ourselves. This isn't the newest self-help book. It's completely different. I, 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 be, I have to steal this illustration from Rick Warren because it makes a lot of sense. If you take a boat that has a, a GPS system on it that's, that's plugged in to, to go to a particular destination... You can, in and of yourself, grab the steering wheel of the boat and try to turn it around, try to turn it around, try to turn it around. You, be, you may be able to muster some sort of a different direction with the boat, but eventually when you let go, where's it going to go? Back to where the GPS is programmed, right? So something needs to be reprogrammed. You've got to reprogram the GPS in the system for it to go the right way. This isn't about a self-help. The gospel of Jesus Christ has accomplished the putting to death of your sin. You have been justified, and you did not participate in that. Jesus did it on his own. He was enough. If your good works could have added to the cross, then Christ died for nothing. He died and accomplished the forgiveness of your sin. You have been justified by Christ alone. And as you're saved through faith and grace, in your life, God is asking you to participate in that, which is already done as you walk out your sanctification, and he's calling you to passionately have a desire to put to death sin in your life and to put to death the old man. Amen? Does that make sense? You are dead with Christ and will appear with him in glory. So God is calling us to put the old man away. He goes on to say, stop lying to one another. As this new man is actively being renewed after the creator's image. Lay the old self aside with its desires and its drives and its impulses and put on the new self who creates this new man. The creator creates this new man. Look at Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I love the fact that we are in participation here not to add to our salvation, but to live in its reality. Amen? We are in participation here not to somehow contribute to what Christ has done, because we can't. But we're in participation to live it out. And for those who have been redeemed, for those who, who have come to a place where they recognize that sin leads to death, that sin leads to destruction, that sin is the reason for all the evil, awful things in this world and in our lives, our selfishness and our sin just destroys. And we have found the freedom that comes from a God who has loved us and taken upon himself the sacrifice and the, the payment for all of our sin. As we, 
as we are recognizing in the gospel of Jesus Christ that freedom, there should be a passion within us to walk in it. Amen? I mean, why would we continue to walk in our sin? Why would we continue to be complacent with the destruction of sin when we're free to walk without it? When we're free to put it to death? When we're free to put on this new man that God has enabled us to live with? Amen? Why would we do that? I, I always heard an old illustration of a, how, how stupid chickens are. Um, it'll make sense in a second. If, if you take a chicken, and I don't know if this is true, and it's probably on YouTube, one of my kids should have looked it up. But if you take a chicken and you lay a rope over its neck and you hold it down by one side or the other, it'll fight, it'll fight, it'll fight, and then you just hold it down. This sounds awful, doesn't it? I'm sorry. And you hold it down, and, and then it'll fight for a while, and then it'll give up. And then you can draw, like with a big chalk line from one side of the neck, a line and, and let go of the rope, and it'll still not do anything because it had already given up. And you can even draw a line on both sides and take the rope away and the chicken will look and still lay there because it's already given up and it'll, it'll just lay in the fact that this rope is, is covering its neck and it's not. Sometimes we act like that. Sometimes we are actively walking in the destruction of our own sin when Jesus has set us free from it and we've died to it. Amen? The gospel should motivate us to be passionate about this. I think this is imperative because in the context of what God's called us to do, in the context of our mission at Renovation Church, we have a heart to see people come to know Jesus. And we have a passion to see people experience the freedom that Jesus provides through the gospel. And we have a passion to be a local church that lives out the gospel of Jesus Christ to our neighbors. Amen? It's a passage in John 13, 35 that says, in the context of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, he says, they'll know you're my followers by what? By your love for one another. And in the midst of this list of sin that God is calling us to put to death, and as we look at the end of this passage, Paul begins to address some of the most awful sin that there is and some of the things that we see in our church continue to exist today among so-called believers. And that's an inability to love others different than ourselves. Is that not a huge issue? Come on, if we had the solution for gender issues and race issues and socioeconomic issues in the midst of our community, how many people would look at the church of Jesus Christ and go, wow, something's going on there, right? But we don't, do we? Sometimes, I, we do have the answer, but sometimes the way the church acts, it's no different than the world. Am I right? Because of the complacent, apathetic understanding of the gospel, we haven't put to death the old man, and we still continue to treat people differently than ourselves with contempt. And there is no room in the church of Jesus Christ for racism, for uh, gender uh, disputes in, in, in awful ways. There's no room in the church of Jesus Christ for us to treat people differently than us with contempt, is there? Look at this. Paul says it in the passage. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here... There is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. This is a huge issue 
that we believers who have put to death sin in our lives recognize that now, because as we die, Christ moves in, there is no identification that comes from how much money you make. There's no identification that comes from what socioeconomic status you live in. There's no identification that comes from what race you are. There's no uh, identification that comes from what job you have or, or don't have. Because as we have put the old man to death, as, as we've died in Christ, our identity is in Christ. Christ moves in. Christ is all and is in all. And we all get to love each other, it, it bridges the, the huge gap of differences between people because we die to ourselves and are raised in Christ. Amen? This is a huge deal for us. There's no room in the life of a believer who's died in Christ to look at another with, a, with contempt because of who they are or where they come from or how much money they make or what race they are. There's no free or slave. Think of this. He is, he is verbally communicating to the people of this church what the biggest gaps are in their society. You have the slave and you have the free. And he's not addressing in his day the issue of slavery. What he's doing is he's, he's killing it. He's disemboweling slavery by saying, in Christ, it doesn't matter anymore because everybody in Christ is dead to themselves. Amen? As he looks at Jews and Greeks or barbarian or Scythian, those who would in their arrogance think that if you didn't live up with a certain decorum and speak in a particular way, if you weren't of this sort of uh, status, then you were barbarian. He's articulating the differences, a, a massive gap between groups of people, and he's saying, that's gone now in Christ. We have the opportunity in Christ to take the normal divisions and have them not stop our love or our fellowship. Amen? In Christ, these huge expanses that exist in society between people don't stop our love or our fellowship. We get to be with each other and we get to worship together no matter where you're from or what you look like or how much you make. Why? Because of Jesus. Amen? We get to be together and worship together and love each other in a particular way because Jesus loved us, because we have died in him, and our old motivations and desires are gone, and now our motivation and our desire is experiencing the treasure that is Jesus. Amen? This not only takes a positional reality, that does exist. As we look at scripture, positionally this exists. But this takes in us an active, passionate walking out. Amen? This passage is requiring of us action to walk out what already is true in the lives of our people and in the life of our church. He says it in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that your prayer tonight? Is that your passion tonight? I've been crucified with Christ. I 
It is, I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Does sexual immorality, malice, anger, slander, racism, do those things come from a person who finds their ultimate treasure in Christ? The Christ who satisfies? The Christ who loves? The Christ who died and saves us? The Christ who lived the perfect life and has become our righteousness? Does sexual immorality, malice, anger, slander, racism, and these sins that drive the old man, do they come from those who set their minds above and who actively put to death and put away the old man and put on the new man? We need to begin to self-examine. I'd ask tonight, in light of this passage, that you take a moment. Get introspective with me. Take a look inside and ask yourself, in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me, what sin am I allowing to continue to drive my life? What sin am I continuing to allow to live in me? To what degree am I driven by the motivations and the desires of the old man? Because in Christ... In his death and in his resurrection, we have the power of the resurrected Jesus to put it to death. We have the power to put it away and lay it aside like a corpse. We have the power to put on actively the new man in the image of the creator. We have the power to not be driven by a desire for acceptance. We have, a power to not, we have the power to no longer be driven by the selfish desire of sexual immorality. We have the power to no longer be driven by the desire to put ourselves up and to slander and to lie and to put others down. We can be truthful with one another because we've died. And lying is only a way by which to get our own selfish desires, right? So we can tell each other the truth in love because of the new man, because of our death in Christ, we can put these things away. If you are in Christ, you have died. If you believe in Jesus tonight, a death has occurred. The death of your life, the death of your motivations, the death of your old desires, and now, you can be raised with this one desire, this one boast, that Christ is all and he's in all. You can live motivated by the treasure of Jesus Christ and who he is. He's who we get at the end of all of this. We don't get our name in lights. 
We don't get fame. We don't get acclaim. We don't get all of these things that the old man would desire. Know what we get? We get Jesus. Amen? And he is enough. He's enough. So if you're sitting here tonight and there was a day that you gave an intellectual assent to the understanding of Christianity and you said, you know what? I'm into that. That's cool. I accept it. And somehow your life has still continued to be driven by the desires of the flesh. And there has not been a conversion of heart. There has not been a death. There has not been a change. Tonight is your opportunity. Tonight is your opportunity to look upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and recognize the only thing that will send you in the place where you're separated from God for eternity is the desire or a thought that you can save yourself. Recognize that sin and your need for Jesus to save you. And in that, put to death. Allow him to put to death the old man in your life. Amen? And you will have an opportunity to live in him. Church, if you have been walking out your faith for years, but you still have issues in your life that have been plaguing you, and there's a desire in your heart to put it to death, to take an active stance. And here's the challenge from Paul through the word tonight. Be active. Be violent. Have the mind that Winston Churchill had as he was looking at the complacency of the world in the midst of, of evil coming against him and say, I will fight and I will win. Knowing that you have Jesus Christ who's accomplished it on your behalf, but you're going to stand up in the strength of that and actively put to death the sin in your life and you're not going to let it plague you anymore. If that's your heart tonight, let's respond in that as well. Matt, why don't you come up with the team? As you, as you personally take a moment to get introspective, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I want to take a minute and pray with you, but I want to get general for a sense here as well. As we look at our church tonight, as we look at Renovation Church and our mission in the context of this passage, there is no room in the gospel of Jesus Christ for complacency. There's no room in our hearts for a lack of love towards one another. There is no room for slander and malice and deceit and lying to one another. In the context of our church, 
We need to demonstrate that the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives has happened and is true. And as we live this together, show the love of Jesus towards one another. Show what it means to be truthful. Show what it means to not be slanderous and selfish and malicious. Show what it means to live faithful lives in the context of our marriages or singleness. Show what it means. Show what the new man looks like as we actively put it on in the image of our creator. I'm going to go old school for a minute. Some of you may not know what that means. But with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if tonight... The Spirit of God is speaking to you as he is to me through his word. And you just haven't been active enough in the putting to death of sin in your life. And somehow in the midst of this, the Spirit of God is challenging you to, as verse 5 says, put it to death. Let's be active tonight. If there's something in your life that you need to put to death, let's respond together tonight. I'm going to ask you with me, because I'm standing already, to stand. If you'd like to respond to Jesus tonight and you need to actively stand up in your life and put sin to death, You need to passionately begin to fight and wage war on sin in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you have made a way where there was no way. God, we're so grateful tonight that as those recognizing that each of us were lost and dead in our sin, you came and you made a way. You lived the life that none of us could live. And you hung on that cross You, in that moment, became for us the sin of the world. The judgment of God for sin was poured out on you. And you experienced a death that none of us could. So we don't have to. Thank you, God, that we, in the midst of our inability to accomplish this, can participate in your death that you've done for us. And God, because you have died, we recognize tonight, we pray together and say we have died as well. Help us to actively put it away. Help us to put it to death. Our old motivations, our old desires, our sin. God, tonight we ask you to move in our hearts and help us to to execute it once and for all. 
Help us to not passively sit back in the midst of our sin and let it plague us, God. But tonight we stand up in response to your word and in gratefulness for what you've done. And we ask you to put it to death in our lives. Help us to put it to death every day, to actively put to death the old man. And tonight we put on the new man. God, made in your image, motivated by you, Christ, our treasure, who is all and who's in all. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our hearts and in our church. In your name we pray. Amen.